Hey, hey, soul fam, here we grow with a new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, Shaman, and the author of the best-selling book and card deck, Animal Power, and my name is Allison Charles Story. And today's guest is Hallie Rose, a woman with a whimsical and richly varied list of experiences. Some of her former jobs include being a Waldorf teacher, child model and actress, nanny to the children of high-profile Hollywood actors, and she's a published children's poet. But in 2017, Hallie went on a vision quest in the Inyo Mountains, spending three days in the desert without food, fire, or a tent. And it was there that she became infatuated with sacred rites of passage. And out of this experience birthed her own company called Lunar Wild, which I love, And it honors the sacred initiation into womanhood through celebratory first period gift boxes for girls. And since its foundation, Lunar Wild has helped hundreds of girls across North America break down stigmas and shame through celebrating their body and their periods. Woohoo! In addition to being an energy worker and certified Reiki practitioner, Hallie has studied a wide variety of holistic and alternative modalities such as transcendental meditation, sound healing, Kriya yoga, Buddhism, tantric sexuality, shamanism, and psychedelic integration. And I can personally attest to Hallie's devotion to this deep work because we are friends here in Austin. And it's always very easy for us to get into some really powerful and energetic conversations and experiences. And today we cover a lot, so I'm not going to give it all away right here, right now, but a preview of just a few of the gems discussed, celebrating those sacred cycles, what that means, how to do it, why it's so important. And Hallie and I even share our very own first period stories. I've definitely never shared this on a show anywhere before, and it was really so powerful to do so today. Her journey and her medicine ride with her beauty, what those weavings and teachings have taught her and where she's at with all of that. And before we sat down today, Hallie actually told me that she's got a lot of stories and experiences that may surprise me. So I open up the conversation for all of that magic to unveil too. I am super excited for you to dive into this one. So let's just get into Sacred Rites of Passage with Hallie Rose. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Yeah. You look beautiful today. <laughs> Thank you very much. So not like a small boy. Not, I was like, not picking up on tiny, tiny boy. You know, I just had like hat hair this morning. Yeah. Well, for good reason, yes. which let's start there. It was funny because. Start with my hat hair. I, I, I wrote on the top, I put current energies you're feeling. And that was before you mm-hmm. got here. Mm-hmm. And um, for those sitting with us. We are just exiting out of this like pretty interesting um, ice storm that lasted three or four days in Texas. And I come from Indiana and like people can maybe that don't live here and didn't experience it are probably like, oh, Texans just don't know winter, which might be true. And I am someone who grew up in the Midwest. I lived in New York City for almost 15 years. I know winter. Mm-hmm. And this ice storm, it was not mm-hmm. a fluke of a storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, trees down. There's so many trees down. Even this morning, yeah. driving here, parts of the highway closed, just trees everywhere. Yeah. Scattered. And and yeah. so one of the other effects is so many people lost power. Thankfully, right. Luke and I didn't, but you still don't have power. I still don't have power as of this morning. So... 
thank you for welcoming me into your actually warm home. Toasty. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting because we were texting yesterday. Can I still make it? And I was like, yeah, well, we don't have power, but I think I should be good. And as the day went on, I was usually we've lost power before, only rarely. And they usually text us an ETA, like we're working on getting your power back up and you can expect it around this time. Well, I got a text that just said, we're working on it. And I was like, mm, ah. this might be a while. So partway through the day, it became clear to me, we might be spending a night um, without heat. A little chilly. And a little chilly. Actually, when I left my apartment this morning, inside the apartment, it's 54 degrees, which is cold for inside. But yeah, I've been practicing this thing lately as I've been going through, I was describing to you a bit more of a wintry period myself, just being inward. And at first I was spending time judging that wintry season, which is hilarious. Like that's like actually judging winter or spring Mm. or summer or fall. It's like, I heard Ram Dass say once, it's like the leaves turn red in the fall and we don't go around going, oh my gosh, this is a big problem. Let's spray all the leaves green. And he was talking about aging when he said it, Mm. like aging is a natural thing and these cycles are a natural thing. So I've been practicing this phrase that came to me when I was sitting in meditation, which is make it sweet. Mm. It's simple. It's just make it sweet. So sometimes Mm. throughout my day, when I find myself going into a pocket where I'm getting a little bit harder on myself, that inner critic gets a little strong and I'm like, things are just not going exactly the perfect way that I want them. And is she popping up? How is that correlating to this winter season? I think they're very much related because I'm in a deep period of reevaluating where I am, mm-hmm. like orienting myself in this universe and <laughs> it's a small task that you're trying. It's very harrowing. <laughs> and then to stay light, you know, to have levity in the middle of what feels like a very hilariously melodramatic, like existential experience for me, mm-hmm. because it's like, who am I defining myself as? Mm-hmm. And now people are seeing me as a leader, you know, am I, where's my integrity? What am I born to do? Does that thing that I'm born to do change? Mm-hmm. Because here I am experiencing what my little girl Mm. imagined to be her lifetime dream Mm -hmm. but I'm in it now I'm in it now and this is as far as I stretched myself oh oh, wait let's pause here for a second (laughs) because you just articulated that so Mm. beautifully Mm. So, I mean, for the soul fam sitting with this, just tune into that for a moment, how from previous Hallie and childhood Hallie, Mm -hmm. as far as that aspect of your soul and being could stretch into the visioning process, Mm -hmm. you have reached the wall of that said farthest reaching vision. Right. I've expanded to the edge, right? And this is what happens when we meet our current edge. We are confronted with anything else holding us back from the next edgeless space. Okay, let's stay exactly (laughs) in this swirl because it's also incredibly present for me. While 
Hallie and I both live in Texas, um, and I'm not trying to go down this tangent yet, but she's been traveling a lot. So it's like we haven't fully dropped in. So I was not aware that you are exactly where you're at and vice versa. Mm. So I literally was saying to Luke this morning, um, I'm in a very, very similar energetic space Mm. as you're describing. And when we were hugging down there, I was just saying this morning, like I'm just in a super raw, tender, Mm. deep process, incredibly deep. Mm -hmm. One of the deepest for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just looking me in my eyes while we were hugging and he's like, I'm here, you know, we do Mm -hmm. this together. And, and I said, you know, I just feel like I'm nothing. And I know that that's great, quote unquote, great. Oh, I hear you. And I just was saying, I just feel so gooey. I feel like I'm dissolving again into another thing of goo. And I said, existential midlife crisis number 385 this lifetime. 100%. Yes. Very much in the same place. Huh. Yeah. And I'm reframing my relationship with this right now because in my life, I've gone through many what I would call depressions. Mm. But at the time, I was describing this to my partner, Kyle. I said, you know what feels different about this phase is that it's painful because I'm awake in it. Yeah, it's different. It's a different kind <laughs> of pain. Yeah. Whereas before, a lot of the melodramas of my life were around dating or feeling rejected by people or, or misunderstood. And those things obviously come back cyclically throughout our lives. But right now, it's really looking at myself in the mirror and saying, how do I serve mm-hmm. for me? Mm. Because I understand how other people are enjoying the way that I've been serving. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me that wants to keep going on that route and kind of almost cling to it because it's easy. And because I've invested so much energy in building XYZ coaching or retreats or podcast, whatever it is. And so I put myself in a box and this is this is the she, ego moment, right? Ladies and gentlemen, she is now her hands are on the edges of the box. And yeah, I'm. The you know, I'm popped. looking over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not quite ready to let go of some things that I've created. Yeah, uh, but I am fiercely committed mm-hmm. to my own joy, mm-hmm. and my joy is enough. My joy is enough to serve the world. Your joy is enough. Everyone's respective joy is how we lift mm-hmm. this place. How, we, you know, I read a quote this morning, uh, Mark Nepo's The Book of Awakening, mm. and there are these daily passages. And there's a quote in there from another woman. I'll have to think of her name in a second. He starts the entry off with a quote, and she describes how the cells from a heart, from a beating heart, if you put two people's heart cells in a petri dish they'll sync up Mm -hmm. over time Mm -hmm. their resonance will sync up and he was giving his commentary on this saying this is the natural human desire to know one another and to be in intimate relation with one another it's the impulse that has strangers introduce each other even awkwardly Mm -hmm. right it's it's like when we're placed in space with plants or animals or we're around things long enough 
we grow to want to understand them, to learn from them. And I think that is a natural human impulse. And when I was thinking about, well, how do I share my light? How do I share my light? What is my heart resonance? And am I spending all of this time thinking about how I want to present, how I want to be perceived? Or am I actually arriving in the moment listening Mm -hmm. to the beat of what's here Mm -hmm. in order to synchronize myself to it? And so in the end, he kind of ends up saying that you sharing your unique energetic signature, your heartbeat, is like a bat call, essentially, to other people who want to synchronize with that. There's there's no other trick to it. Mm-hmm. It is be you, and it's so simple, and it's so complex. Oh, well, thank you for bringing that into this space. It's funny, you describing that is really at the heart of even what Ceremony Circle is, because in the, in the show intro music for this podcast, we strategically put a heartbeat sound in the intro music. And that was to create that resonance between the energetic foundation of Ceremony Circle, myself, and the soul fam, the listeners who Mm -hmm. sit with us, Mm -hmm. is to start with the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Um, So for those of you who are listening, um, that gives you another little kind of secret, never before known layer to the energetics of the show. Easter egg. Also, I just, there's so many great podcasts out there, but for me and deciding to do this, which took so many years to feel like it was aligned in a true call. I just want to hear, you know, yes, it's great to hear actual tips and we weave those in, but you know, there's just so much medicine in just hearing where someone's at today and the medicine and storytelling. Um, and I think again, it goes back to you just describing that the heart, the heartbeat. So mm-hmm. thanks for bringing that in. And with where you're at, I'm just fascinated if there's any other little onion layer for us to peel back before we shift to something else, because um, I am fascinated that we're both sitting and the same voided place. And it's interesting. It's like a void, but a different kind of void Mm -hmm. than I've ever, I've been certainly sat in many a void in my lifetime, but this one's got some other something brewing in it, something else happening. And quick shout out to Danielle, my favorite massage therapist at Alive and Well, free plug. (laughs) But she is so great. And when I was getting my last massage with her, I was articulating out loud for the first time, this shift that I'm feeling that's been going on for the last few weeks, I guess now. Mm -hmm. And it was in her while she was literally massaging me and she's a real clear channel. And um, she said something to the effect of after I described it, was it her that said this? Well, anyways, whether or not or was, I feel like I've reached a completion point Mm -hmm. of one of my main duties of the soul mission. And because I wasn't sure if that would be a through line thread my whole life, you know, like I'm just riding that thread until I'm told stamp you're done and feel that. And in reflecting to that thread that I feel like I've 
kind of completed or fully completed and realizing that thread was in service to a cause Mm -hmm. and service to all yes that right this other thing coming in is like a different intrigue of kind of going back to what you were saying it's like shifting more toward something to fuel me Mm. yeah um Mm -hmm. And I'm always living in service. My prayers and my surrender is always, you know, show me next step guidance, messages, medicine to serve my highest, greatest good and the highest, greatest good of all. The of all is always there, but something else going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, this this resonates completely. And our lives are our service. And I'm I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking of actually when I met Luke, which had to have been... He brought that up this morning too. Really? So it's hard, right? this, is so, this is so funny. Yeah. Because I've been podcasting three years now. And when I met Luke, I'd been podcasting three weeks. Oh, wow. He was one of my first guests ever. And I look back now, you know, we had some really great talks. I talked with, with all the guests that were there during their weeks and not all, but, you know, made some connections. And he and I, we had one afternoon you know, down at the beach where I was taking some photos because I was supposed to do some social media stuff. And I'm asking him questions about podcasting. And I was just like, so how does this part work? How's that part work? And he was just so beautiful and just like helpful and caring. And I'll never forget the way that he, because, you know, when you, when you're great at something and people are asking you, there's always people asking you, And he, I can confirm this. Yeah. So can I, you know, now. (laughs) And so that's why I can look back with such deep appreciation at how he held like my tender little newbie podcaster heart. And I don't remember the details, but I believe that the two of you were talking or you just met recently or were starting to reconnect around that time. Yeah. We had been friends, but I think what was occurring there was the first opening into potentiality of more than friends. Right. I think that's what's happening. Well, all I remember from that that week about this particular thing was just having some really real conversations with Luke, like in the dining hall, just like about where he was at mm-hmm. in life and this desire for partnership. And I kind of asked him, I was like, well, you know, is there, is there anyone? And he's like, well, you know, one, there's this one woman, she's, you know, and he started talking about you. And I was like, well, that sounds great. You know? And I was like, yeah, this is great. And he's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, there's just been so many disappointments mm-hmm. and we just sat and we just talked about it and we talked about kind of risking it all for love, you know, mm-hmm. for that one last shot, right? Like this could be it. And so I want to tie this back because you're talking about the phase that you're in now and feeling that stamp of completion. But if I even roll back to whatever month that was at the end of 2019, and the two of you were just reconnecting or connecting, you had this friendship going, look at your timeline shift. Mm -hmm. Like there was a possibility for you, perhaps, I don't know, you'll tell me if you confronted, wow, I'm sure many people have, maybe my person's not out there. You know, like maybe I hope that they're out there, but what if this is it? This is my life of service is, okay, I'm going to be happy with this. I'm, I know how to be alone. I feel great being alone and I'm a powerful woman. You are in a completely different place. So 
all of those other potentialities had you chosen that route, mm-hmm. they would still be lingering in the field and now they close down. Mm. And there's different avenues available. Right. It, yeah. It, it, it requires recalibration. You've got the, you've built a life, you've built a home, you have animals, you know, it's maybe the things that you want are changing. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I definitely, I, yeah, I've, I've shared on the podcast, I was for sure at that place and it felt really healthy and good. And I think it was a huge part of me reaching my true sovereignty and same for Luke in order for us to truly come together were those exact just kind of surrendered peaceful realizations that yes, I, I was going to be good and fine on my own. And I could be at peace with that if that was my destiny, although I didn't think it was, but I was reaching points where I was like, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to have a husband or a life partner this lifetime. And you know what? I can, I can do this. Like I've lived on my own enough. And so, yeah, I had reached for sure all of those, those points. Um, and so, yeah, to now be with our little family with Jelly Bean and Cookie <laughs> and Luke and I in this home and having, you know, created it the way we wanted to through the construction and, you know, been on the pregnancy journey mm-hmm. and, and all of that. It's it's for sure been an ongoing thing the last few years, but there's something, yeah, just like so stamp like I don't know it's just I'm in a full-on precipice point mm-hmm. of of that whole thing that yeah. you described so yeah I was saying to Kyle what feels different for me about this period of shrouding myself in the shadow is there were so many other times I was in deep shadow in my life where safety and security like the bottom level of of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just like food, shelter, those kinds of things were not met. So I didn't have the luxury of going into this process Mm -hmm. the way that I am. And it's a very confronting mirror because there's not as many excuses for my mind to escape into, well, you really, you have to do this to make money now. Like mm-hmm. I've never before been in the position where I could take space for multiple months a year to be with what is real and what is alive in me. I would have said I didn't have the luxury to make sure I was in integrity. Mm. I just had to survive. I had to pay the bills. I had to keep my lights on. So this is a very difficult and privileged type of experience that I'm having in a fully supported partnership where I get to watch all the gnarly bits that have been smoothed out to the general public eye, you know, come up in our little home Petri dish. And uh, I watch myself in reactions that I go, oh, okay, really? Wow. And then I kind of want to play it off and then I want to take responsibility for it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm all twisted around it. And he's just ever loving mm. and accepting. And that brings up for me, I'm, they're, oh, they're, there's more layers of shame here. It's actually difficult to receive this level of unconditional love for these things that I am labeling 
as flaws. Mm. There are parts of me that I'm still judging or hiding. And they're really coming up because they want me to see them. And so that's why this is different for me. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like those aspects of you know they're in safe space to like. hundred percent. And, and, and they've never felt safe before. Yeah. So like what, what a joyous celebration. Yes. And now we're really getting to the good shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, shout out to Kyle. Yeah. Wow. I'm so happy. I've mm-hmm. yet to meet him. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. You guys aligned in yeah. your relationships were also a journey for yes. you. And yes, I had this um, down to talk about and let's just go for it. Like, cause I remember one time, I can't remember in what conversation it was that you and I were having, you brought up something around, like, I know that your appearance has been a real medicine for you mm-hmm. and your journey. And mm-hmm. like, um, I was really intrigued by that when I was tuning in to stuff to chat with you about. And that one, that one came in because I definitely have not covered that with anyone. And it feels pretty unique in some of the textures of it, just mm-hmm. like how having um, an attractive mm. slash beautiful external container, meat mm. suit, whatever you want to call our physical vessels, mm-hmm. like how that has mm. played certain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what immediately comes to mind for me is going back to cutting my hair because I, I used to have like really long. Did you know me? I never knew the okay, long haired Hallie. so funny because I've only had short hair for just over a year and you know. Really? Yeah. Did I know you with long hair then? I feel like I only know you as this. I feel like you had to know me with long I hair. I had to have. Yeah. And I had so much. So when I got the impulse to cut my hair, it was this hilarious thing. Almost the way that I might get a call to uh, sit with a certain medicine. I was actually going through a bit of a funk that summer and I was watching a lot of movies and (laughs) I watched Indecent Proposal Mm. and Demi Moore has this like short bob and she looks just rocking in like a Brooklyn, like a bomber jacket, but then she also looks stunning in like a black dress and I couldn't get this image out of my head and I'd never cut my hair short. It's Mm. been long my whole life um I used to do like little child modeling and it was things people would always compliment oh your beautiful hair so I could not shake this impulse to to cut my hair and I was also thinking about how much cellular tissue like Mm -hmm. how much information Mm -hmm. is stored in my hair and I had gone through a massive reconstruction of of my my ego after my ayahuasca um my time down at Sultara I know there's like 13 ceremonies in a very short period of time and I was changing and integrating a lot and I I couldn't shake feeling that I wanted to cut my hair but one of the fears was as hilarious as this sounds how will this change the way that people interface with me sure and I sat with that and I went deeper into the fear. I was like, well, I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's, 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 it's as ugly as it sounds, but I, I thought, well, what if some people, particularly men are saying yes to let me interview them on my podcast because on some deep psychological level, they hope there's like a chance that 
through your time together. It's primal. You know, it's like, oh, they, maybe they want to sleep with me. And whether that was my inflated ego or I can't tell you, but this was the fear that was arising Mm. in me at the time that felt very real. And it led me into this process of deconstructing how I had interfaced with the world and the world had interfaced with me from a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. And we're told (laughs) by the proverbial day that it's, it's lovely to compliment your children and and to tell them they're, they're beautiful and all of these things. And I think that having that kind of feedback, being a, child model or whatever doing acting I was doing national modeling competitions you start to create an identity around that you know how to perform and um so all of that started to unravel for me when I cut my hair I really took on a new fresh sort of personality it's like well this is me this is me in my 30s what changed (laughs) what what shifted what shifted Oh, I started to experiment a lot more with my style. I started to dress more cozy, comfortable, funky. I would try on, I just felt like I could be bolder with my style. What were you doing before? Like more dresses or? Yeah, very, very feminine, very tight. Floral? Like a lot of tight, not not floral, but like tight clothing. Okay. You know, really showing off my, my, bod. my body. And I wanted to emanate the respect that I have for myself Mm -hmm. it wasn't about doing this for them or showing up like this for them it was this is what makes me feel the most powerful the most alive Mm. so yeah that was that shift but in in tandem with all that we're talking about Kyle and I had a conversation the other day and he said something to me obviously like Oh, we've talked about saying you're so beautiful or you're so handsome. Mm-hmm. A couple months ago, I said, hey, can we, can we not say that? Can we say instead what we are feeling inside our bodies when we have the impulse to say to another person, you're so beautiful? Uh-huh. So I might say, I am so attracted to you. I'm feeling electrified mm-hmm. being in your presence and whatever it is. You want to know what I say to Lou? What do you say? This is so TMI, but I'm just going to say. Yeah, right. One of the things that I say (laughs) is, um, I say, I'm trying to find the exact right verbiage. I say, oh, you gave my bean a little wiggle. (laughs) Oh, I'm stealing that. That is very good. My bean gets a wiggle in sometimes. <laughs> so that's my my communication of what my body is feeling. Yes. Sometimes I'm looking like, oh, you made my bean wiggle. Yes. <laughs> and isn't that so much more impactful? Mm. Because that person can <laughs> feel it with you. And they're yeah. in the play of it. So we were having this conversation, as we often do, brushing our teeth in the bathroom. <laughs> and he was saying something about how attracted he was to me. And this conversation came up where I had this, I want to call it like a wave of grief Mm. where I came to the Mm. realization Mm -hmm. that Kyle said, you know, in every room that you walk into, you may not know it, but there's probably an energetic experience for you of people looking, people gazing because you are 
physically beautiful, according to some standards. Mm -hmm. And he said, think about what that's like for people and for you. Just let's go above it, just like on a psychological level. When we're all standing in a room and a powerful person walks in, can we feel it? And depending on where we're at in our work with ourselves, Mm -hmm. a bunch of different stuff's going to come up, Uh right? So either we're going to feel maybe attracted, magnetized, because we we either see a part of ourselves in them, which is a fairly clean energetic exchange, if you ask me, or there might be more of a grasping energy, like a desiring to keep or to connect. That's where you, you might experience this in some, I mean, I experience it in some relationships where, you know, you have a friend or an acquaintance or a family member, and it just feels a little reachy, Mm -hmm, little, yeah. And you're just, you can't really put your finger on why you're agitated, but it's, it feels like that grippiness, Mm -hmm. right? And then the other reaction that you commonly see is like a repulsion. Yeah. So it's lovely again, in a, in a delightfully, painfully awake way to be able to sit here and assess what has gone on. But when I was 15 or 20 or 25, I did not have the awareness that people might be interfacing with me Mm. differently based on how my physical avatar presented because I had no separation from it. I was just in this mess of like personality and life. And there was so much anger for me in dating scenarios. I never felt respected. I never felt like anyone saw me for who I was and everybody just, you know, wanted to. And this was a lot of stuff that I had to work through. So there are so many privileges to having all these different gifts that life gives us and unique responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I can't underscore this enough that one of the things I want to see happen on this planet is for us to deeply understand each other more, just like those little heart cells Mm -hmm. to, to synchronize, to find each other's light. And if I look at another person and their predicament and I want to trade with them, think, oh, they have it really good. They have all these things. That to me is an immediate opportunity to learn more about my judgment, <laughs> my prejudices. You know, it could be different bodies, gender, different country, wh- whatever. Does that still come up for you? No, not, I mean, no, I'm not going to say no, but this is something that I've integrated more. Yeah. And I find a lot less judgment because of this, because I have had the opportunity to be judged and to have people change their behavior based on something that was, that I was born with Mm -hmm. and has provided me with a lot of beautiful lessons. And Allison, it's taken me a long time to heal trust. Mm. A long time. Mm, I hear that. Mm. Because there's been a life full of people telling me things they think I want to hear and then not being able to follow through or not really meaning it or wanting to, wanting to so hard grasping to be able to be 
that thing they desire to be and and being repeatedly dropped. So grew a very thick skin, New York City, a big, big shell, learned how to drive hard, how to hustle. And the last year or two has been about defrosting my heart mm. and actually wanting to be a part of what we're doing here on planet earth again mm -hmm. because I had become so separated it felt in my world that I had constructed in my mind it felt viscerally like everything in the universe was out to get me or mm. take from me or yeah. steal or rape or pillage me like the universe felt like a threat and it's only through a lot of turning inward a lot of social support deep consistent love that I've been able to slowly titrate my way out of a state that had me completely cut off from living mm, wow let's stay exactly here just for a moment because that feels super super powerful and ah uh, yeah, I can imagine, I can relate and I can imagine in your particular scenario, you go into like this hypervigilance of mm -hmm. every interaction, mm -hmm. you know, tuning in, discerning, like mm -hmm. what was the tone? What was their look in their mm -hmm. eye when they said it? What mm -hmm. was their body language? What did I smell? Like mm -hmm. just tuning into every layer to try to get to the root of like, are they just saying this so x can happen mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. and that's such ooh, that is some um i would imagine at times really tiresome tuning in and analyzation mind gymnastics yeah. overthinking ruminating Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering why is this animal showing up so much for me, just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full page color illustration of each animal to learn its wisdom teachings and meanings so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An animal power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both animal power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website. And when you visit there, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. You'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that I personally guide where you can meet your current power animal. I appreciate your support so much. And now back to today's show. So how did you start to arrive to trusting your navigation to the point where you don't have to go into such hypervigilance all the time? And like, what, what did that shift look like? And how, mm. where are you at with that now? It's mm. a great question. I'm going to feel that for a second. Yeah. 
So say the question one more time. Yeah. I'm just, you know, when you were in the past potentially tuning in, like if, especially if a male, let's just take a mm-hmm. male, for example, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you think might be wanting to get into your pants right. and like, so, you know, they're saying something and then you go into like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there was a lot of distorted stuff happening on my end too. I just didn't know it. Mm, like what was like, one example? Like when you talk about the situation with a male, I'm going to try and paint this the best that I can. But again, it's like this, try and imagine you're a fish in water. So it's easy for me to talk about now, but at the time when I would talk to a man and I would feel that from him or feel him taking it in a direction of flirtation. I honestly just thought that's the way that things were. Understand it it wasn't like this one off and now I'm empowered to say something. I literally just felt like that's the way that things were. And to fight it at that time felt like it, I was just fighting reality mm-hmm. because that's how the story felt. So I mentioned my distortions, how that might have looked in that situation was I would get feedback that I was hard to read, hard to read or potentially like led people on. And so how that would manifest for me is I really wanted to flower open slowly to people Mm -hmm. with you know, men, women, I want friends. I want to connect with people. And it felt like when I would meet people sometimes, especially men, there would be this like zero to a hundred thing. And I would get ultimatums from them. Hey, I really want to take you out on a date. I'd be like, you know what? I just want to get to know you. Like I'm not ready for that or whatever. And so they, okay. And they calm down. And then after a while, Sometimes I got ultimatums. Sometimes right. I would say, I, I just can't be friend. I can't be friends with you. And I would say, that sucks because we're really hitting it off. And, you know, in like this way of, I just want to joke with you like you're my brother or whatever. But the warmth, the openness, the flirtation oh. paired with how they viewed me and what was their too much. Potential so then I would, right. I would feel like something is wrong with me. Mm. I can't just, I, I can't actually be as hilarious as I am because men will take it as flirting all the time. And, you know, I grew up with, with all brothers, three brothers, and I'm very comfortable joking with men. And I, I, I like, I like the camaraderie of that. And now I've grown into my friendships with women and that healing that's been a whole other thing because of a lot of this. So there were definitely distortions on my part where I was more passive in my communication. And I think many women um, struggle with this because it's, a product of the conditioning of being born onto into planet earth and taking incarnation here currently. And there is an innate power dynamic there, I think. And I wasn't taught or didn't have the tools to know what to say mm-hmm. in those situations without leading people on. I would try to do it as politely as I could while still not losing connection, Allison, mm. because this was the thing is I did not want to be alone. And at some point I said, F this. I will lose all my friends. Yeah. Because if they're not real friends, because they all just 
want to have sex with me right. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, that was the distortion. Yeah, it's clarity or but I But I had to, like, again, we're talking about finding our edges. I had to at least confront that as a possibility mm-hmm. in order for that fear to be alchemized. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, ultimately what happened is just a deep loving of myself and being able to discern, is this, do I want this included in my experience right now? Yeah. And being, and being willing to let it all go if, yeah, yeah, if the clarity meant that. Well, because I wasn't relying on whatever little dopamine hit of that small acquaintance or friendship was giving me. There you go. Because here's again this is like a self-perpetuating mechanism now that I have a life where I have stable partnership and deep rich soul nourishing female friendship anyone who wants to come be a part of my sphere now there's a there's a vibrational standard Mm -hmm. there's a standard for relating that I'm holding now and it's okay if we don't align I'm great. And I have all this energy that I want to feed what I've got going. So think about the energetic change that gives me when I now meet someone, right? I'm not looking at them like, is it, could this person be a, fr- a friend of mine? Cause I, I really need a friend or may- maybe a boyfriend. And that was subconscious all, all running is like, is, are they, are they not? Mm. Is it, sh- am I just not open enough? Like I see how I those created a- all those schisms. Yeah. You can totally see it. So, but I, I'm curious because you asked this question, if any of this relates to you and your experience of being in a glowing goddess physical avatar. And I think this is a unique conversation. I think it's uncomfortable um, in some ways for sure, because there's a lot of privilege involved in it, but I love it. And I think it's really important. And I, I'm very curious what your experience has been with this. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like... I might need to tune in. It's, I mean, what, what immediately popped in was just like a very specific example. Like I have really large natural boobs, natural breasts. And so my relating with these beautiful, juicy goddess breasts as I hold them. (laughs) Watch this on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. God. Um, Yeah. So rate five stars. (laughs) Yeah. This will be the highest rated podcast episode. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my journey just, just with my two breasts alone, you know, it ties into a lot of your sharing and I found a coping mechanism, I think at a very young age of, and it wasn't even a conscious directive that I told myself, I think just on an unconscious knowing I started to mask and hide and camouflage in a very clear and strong way to where they were just always hidden. You know, I I was never someone, I can honestly say this, and for people that have known me my whole life can vouch, like I never ever showed cleavage, never wore anything where it would amplify because I was so ungodly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with the gaze, Mm -hmm. with the drawing of, Mm because, you know, these goddess breasts, they they hold power, Mm -hmm. such ancient Mm -hmm. power and wisdom and magnetism Mm -hmm. and strength. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just the shape and the size and like also they're attached to me and my willingness to like connect to my divine power. Then it only amplifies the power of the big goddess breasts. And so, Uh you know, um, and so, 
yeah, I just was so uncomfortable ever entering into a room. And this is with not ever putting them on display and not ever showing them, even with never doing that, you know, just this discomfort of um, feeling anyone looking at them. And it got to the point where, you know, in my journey of evolution and, and all the things relating in a more honoring, healthy way to my own body and to my own breasts definitely came in. This is during my time, I think, living in New York. And um, there was one birthday, I forget however many years ago it was, but since my birthday is on New Year's Day, on New Year's Eve, I've been doing work around the relating for the very first time in, my, time in my life, not that many years ago, I specifically wore a dress mm. um, on New Year's Eve to a party where for the first time in my life, like the cleavage, like the ladies were, were more out. Uh-huh. And it was just so, it was all the things, right? You know, yeah. it was so horrible and so <laughs> uncomfortable, yet so empowering and so liberating. Yeah. And I was just like in this whole medicine sphere the whole yeah. night by just trying to relate to my breasts differently yeah. and in, in a new way. And, mm-hmm. and there's also one other little intriguing point to this. Again, not that many years ago, I went to Indiana where I'm from to spend time with family and my own sister who's older than me, so has known me my whole life. She said to me, and I wasn't wearing, like, I still never show them. Like I could have easily gotten them out, but I buttoned like pretty much all the way up. You know, it's you can like, unbutton like me, but yeah. I mean, that's not a competition here because <laughs> the boys used to call me mosquito bites. <laughs> okay. So we'll leave it at that. Got it. Mine are a lots thousands of mosquito bites um, and so my sister one time not that long ago she I'm I, you know I think because even though I was not wearing anything revealing them I was in a healthier less shrouded camouflage energetic I think I mm. got to where I literally could put on like an energetic cloak mm. around my breasts. And I mm. was trying to not do that as much anymore to be more fully healthily integrated. Mm. And my sister must have picked up on this. And she asked me, she thought I got a boob job. Stop. My own sister, because for the first time huh. in her knowing me, <laughs> even with them not being on wow. display, she was seeing them more for the first time wow. ever. And she said, what, we were, I think we were sitting for dinner one day at the dinner table. And she looked over and she goes, did you get a boob job? Wow. I was like, did I get a boob job? And I was, you know, shaking around. I was like, wow. no. She it, was feeling your shift in your energy. It must have around. been the shift. And she sees me pretty infrequently because, you know, I've always lived in different states. And um, so, yeah, it's just... You know, so yes, I mean, I could tell a lot of different tales and kind of lifelong journeys with, yeah, being given um, this particular physical vessel. It's It's been a completely powerful through line theme for mm. me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I think the last thing I'll say is just, it's been an interesting dance being someone that lives in such devotion to the inner landscape Mm. and the inner Mm -hmm. work Mm. and to have the embodied powers and gifts and abilities that I know I have um, that are completely 100% soul level and to walk into certain spaces and rooms. uh, It has been frustrating throughout the years because I'm a bit of a Trojan horse. It's like this physical presentation enters 
And de- mm-hmm. again, depending upon where mm-hmm. everyone in the room is at in their own mm-hmm. inner work and evolutionary mm-hmm. journey, they all experience me differently. And so it's very easy to tell where someone's at in their own journey. Tell me what that looks like, like the actual experience of telling where someone's at and what the energy feels like to receive. I mean, I can think of a specific person in this Austin community that's been such a teacher for me specifically in this, (laughs) and I will never name names, at least not on air. I'll tell you later. But but, um, yeah, it's like, I can, I can tell it's different things, but one example is my own work where I do get frustrated at times where I can tell someone does not fucking get the truth of who I am Mm. at all. Mm -hmm. And, And um, Mm -hmm. they write me off like Mm -hmm. really instantly or think that I'm a joke of a shaman or a whatever the story is Mm -hmm. because they can't, they aren't not deep enough within themselves. They can't see who I really am. So they just look at this to some people's standards, this quote unquote beautiful woman Mm -hmm. who has an external beauty and because they haven't met the depths of in their inner gifts, they it can't compute, I think, to them that mm. I can be all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, she's beautiful. So there's mm. no fucking way that she's a real deal shaman. Right. Or there's no fucking way that she's actually highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Or there's no way that she really wrote her that book. Somebody must have wrote it for her or whatever. Right. right. The examples can go on and on and on. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's um it's interesting to watch then. And I'm at different places, different days with, mm-hmm. with this. Some days I can kind of chuckle it off and just be like, you know, whatever. It does not matter. You know, I can't expect that person to be able to see the true me. They haven't met that their, their own selves um, mm-hmm. in that place. And then other times it annoys the fuck out of me. Yes. And I do get triggered and yes. I'm just like frustrated. And all the way home, I will vent to Luke. Yes. And I'll be like, this person totally has no clue who who I am and it it annoys me yes so it's all of it yes (laughs) that was my answer fully fully resonate and what a beautifully complete like holistic picture of all that that encompasses yeah Mm yeah well I'm glad we somehow went into this yeah this portal felt good to talk about I don't think I've really gotten I don't think I've told the the boob the goddess breast story oh that's good gotten into so yeah just honoring these two you know I hope one day they shall make milk (laughs) yes they will thy baby yes and there'll be more out and about and and at the gatherings because I'll have a little one here having their having their lunch here I look forward to that yeah so much (laughs) I look forward to that phase for your breasts that will be wonderful (laughs) thank you um so in honoring our time i i went back to the email you sent me back and you Mm. i put here you said i'm truly an open book about my life and i have a lot of stories and life experiences (laughs) that may surprise you wink and i was like huh tell me more Uh. so i you know it can be anything but i'm just curious when i remind you of that like what is one of those stories or life experiences that you think might surprise me. Wow. (laughs) Mm. Let me be with this for a second. Take your time. There are so many, so, so many, you know, well, I was thinking about sitting down with you and I was thinking about ceremony circle. I was thinking about the idea of ritual and 
I was looking up ritual and the root of it, um, mm. ritualis in Latin, and this idea of, uh, at least in this context, being associated with like a rite, like mm. an R-I-T-E, a rite, a religious rite of sorts. And that actually got me thinking about rites of passages. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I, I think we talked about rites of passages when you came to guest on the thought room, but I had a rite of passage um, and I, <laughs> it was, this was at a time where I felt like my life was falling apart. One of the times <laughs> <laughs> and my father had just suffered a stroke and he had a brain bleed. He was rushed in for emergency surgery. He was playing bass with his band. And then all of a sudden said he had to go get a drink of water in the kitchen because he didn't feel right. Mm. Couldn't remember the baseline mm. and tried to speak to his wife mm. and just started to slur his words. Mm. So they rushed him to the hospital at the time. I was living and working in New York City for an incredibly high profile um, film celebrity in, in their household. And it was this very interesting, prestigious sort of job. I had training as a teacher. I did a degree in education after my psychology degree. So I was in this unique position of being highly educated and not really wanting a teaching job. So There's actually this whole niche in big cities, uh, New York, L.A., for nannies, highly educated nannies. There's nannying agencies. Mm -hmm. So I was scouted by an agency, ended up uh, landing this job. And I'd only been in it a couple months. And I was at it when I got this text message that my dad had been rushed into emergency brain surgery. And my dad, healthy dude, I think he was, you know, 56 at the time, chiropractor, holistic, all day, everything. It was just very surprising. And I remember I was very shook. And I I told the estate manager of the home that I was working in that I needed to go home. I needed to get on the train to Buffalo, New York. You talked about storms. Mm. <laughs> That's where I'm from. Mm. And he said, well, you work tomorrow, seven till three. Why don't you, you know, go after your shift? And Alice said, I was so in that. Yeah. I I was so, I hate to use this term, but like Stockholm syndrome. Like I had become in, in love and like in codependence with the prestige of that job Mm -hmm. and how many, I'd watched so many nannies be let go Mm -hmm. and, um, it was very cutthroat. And so I thought, okay, you know, he's right. And then I have the next three days off. So that will work. Cause my dad wasn't supposed to go into surgery and anyway, uh, got a text the next day that they had to take him in early. So by the time I got on the train, my dad was already in surgery and it was quite, it's like five or six hours. (laughs) It's not short. So I am staring out of the window of the train just thinking what the fuck did I just choose though like Mm. what if I don't get there and he dies and I talked to him on the phone 
that morning right before he went in and he was so scared. Mm. Like I'd never seen my dad that scared. And I said, I said, you know what, dad, I love you. No matter what happens, you have loving energy waiting to receive you on either Mm. side, Mm -hmm. on either side. So that was the last, I was, those words were echoing down the hallway of my psyche as I looked out the train at the, you know, grayish landscape and contemplated my existence and my choices. And I got there, my stepmom picked me up from the train station. It was, I think, close to midnight or very late, 10, 11. She drove me straight to the hospital. They actually let me see him. The moment my dad saw me, he I think so much emotion arose in him. I was the first child of his to to see after this had happened. And he immediately like projectile vomited mm. all over himself and mm. was embarrassed. And mm. I sat with him and it was like, okay, wow. Um, this is where we are. And yeah. I decided to stay and to leave that job and to stay and take care of my dad and help help my stepmom because she was managing everything for them. And I remember afternoons like walking down the hospital hallway with my dad with his walker while he was learning to walk a little bit again and changing his dressings on his his because they had to do a craniotomy and actually drained out fluid from his brain and um, he had a successful surgery and it was going to be a couple months of recovery. So anyway, moving forward, I decided to leave that job. I also was hiding the fact that I had Lyme's disease mm. to these employers because I didn't want anyone to look at me like I couldn't do it. But I was suffering from extreme chronic fatigue inflammation, brain fog, depression, anxiety, you name it. And so what happened was in slowing down to care for my dad, my Lyme really flared up and I realized, wow, it took the excuse of somebody else Mm -hmm. for me to actually slow down and look at myself. And when my dad healed in a couple months and was well enough to, you know, be back at it, I had a major identity crisis because I was like, well, I can't go back to what do I do now? Like, what do I, I don't want even think I want to work for anyone again. I have no money. Like what on earth do I want to do? And I called a friend of mine and I said, well, like, what do I do right now? I don't know who I am. Yeah. And she's like, well, you could go on like a retreat or something. And I said, no, I don't want to go on a yoga retreat, have someone handing me green smoothies. Like I want something hard. Mm. I want to know what I'm made of. Mm. What is the stuff in me? Mm -hmm. Get to the bottom of it. And Mm. she goes, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I think I went over this. You you need a vision quest. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And um, so you do know this part of the story. Is Then I decided to go on a 10-day journey into the desert. (laughs) Slightly different than the green juice route. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I'm a spiritual masochist a little bit. So, yeah, ended up 
very shortly thereafter. I didn't even have the money, Allison, to get like the basic camping gear. My dad, who was not even working yet after his surgery, took me to the camping store and bought me a backpack and hiking boots so that I could go on this journey. Mm. And I booked this flight and ended up in the Inyo Mountains near Death Valley in California. Met a group of amazing women and this wild and wonderful psychotherapist man who was leading the group of us up, up this mountain and, you know, progressively into the middle of nowhere and practice learning how to tie a tarp and fashion fashion a shelter out of just a rope and a tarp and prepared to fast for three days and be out in, in the desert in the elements with no fire, with no contact with anyone with nothing but a journal and a poetry book and my own thoughts for three days all alone and it was one of the most ceremonial times of my life to this day there were no people always ask me were there psychedelics involved no (laughs) not needed (laughs) trust me I was tripping hard though there's enough material in in your mind it would surprise you to keep to keep you going for a while so but it was the most, you know, glorious experience of my life. And, and I could spend a lot of time on that. I won't. And if people want to hear more, they can head over to my podcast where I've talked about it a, a few times. Mm-hmm. But what came out of that experience was at first frustration because I came back not knowing still what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. But it plunged me into a deeper process of of trying to know myself. So I went back and started reading all my childhood journals. Did I tell you this part? No. Okay, so I keep a suitcase of, like, diaries all the way back from 1999 is the earliest one. And I pulled out my diaries, and I was like, who is Hallie? What is her inner child? Like, what, where's her light at? Maybe if I read through these pages and listen enough, I can see what she's excited about. Hmm. And I came across this journal entry when I started my first period. And... It made me glow to read my, you know, I think I was like 13, 14 when I first started spotting. I was kind of old. To read my excitement to become a woman. My excitement. I was like, I started spotting today. I'm so excited to become a woman. That's so beautiful. I can't wait. And I said, mom came down and she had this talk with me and she gave me this box of tampons and she and pads and she told me that my body is like the moon and it will wax and wane and it will go through cycles and some days it will feel juicy and full and vibrant and other days I'll feel dark and inward and creative mm. and moiling you know in in the primordial soup that is 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 woman and that my body is preparing for the potentiality of producing the miracle of life every single month. Mm. It is just doing that. Wow. That's so beautiful. She told me, you know, that's something that 
men will never get to experience in the exact same way. But she having given birth to five babies completely naturally and at home, it's just like nothing touches this experience. So the reverence she instilled in me in that really, really choice moment became the inspiration for what would later become the product company I started, which is Lunar Wild. And we create first period gift boxes, you know, sacred rite of passage gifts. I'm so glad you brought this up. Young women. That's the biggest part on my page of notes, (laughs) celebrating the sacred cycles Mm. with Lunar Wild Mm -hmm. and yeah, so glad you naturally wove us over there because I mm-hmm. definitely wanted to to cover this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's so interesting. It's I thank you for sharing your story of your first period. And um, I had to kind of chuckle, you know, because mine is very different. And I want to preface by saying I love my mom. She's been a great <laughs> mom. My mom is wonderful, all the things. And she has felt really badly about this and apologized. <laughs> Even the last trip to Indiana that I took, it somehow came up again really? and she apologized again. Yeah. When I started my period, I didn't know what was happening. And I just recall because my first period as I I. I come to understand a lot of them are, it wasn't like red blood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was much darker. It was Mm -hmm. like brown. And so I remember going into the middle school bathroom and just seeing this brown stuff in my underwear. And, you know, again, I'm telling maybe a lot of TMI stories. Did I shit myself? Yeah. I literally (laughs) thought I was shitting my pants without knowing. I mean, that's valid. I was like, how is it that I'm shitting my pants at school and I'm not aware that I'm shitting myself? You know what I'm saying? Like that did not. That's very confusing. It is very confusing. I fully understand. It did not compute at all how that could be happening. And I was shitting myself every day. That would be concerning. Multiple times a day. How am I accidentally (laughs) shitting myself without my knowledge? Yeah. And every time I would go to the bathroom, I would like brace. Yes. I would get ready to pull my underwear down and I'd be like, there it is again. How did I shit myself again? Like it just kept happening. So then there's another part to the story. I would get home from school from shitting myself and I would be so mortified and embarrassed that this was going on that God bless little Allison, little Allie, I would take the underwear and I'd be so scared. I would hide them behind my hamper, not in the hamper because I knew my mom, I was a little girl, my mom's still doing my laundry. So I knew she would see the the shit stained underwear (laughs) if I put it in And demand an explanation. Yeah. And if I put them in the garbage, like I didn't take the garbage out. So like she'd probably find it there. So my solution was to hide the the poopy underwear behind the hamper. I had enough of a collection back there that I finally, I got concerned about my health at one point. I was like... like I don't have any underwear left. <laughs> this yeah. is getting practical. We, we problems. No okay, let me sit down and think about this. No one. underwear, and there could be a serious health yeah. issue going on because I'm shitting myself on a regular Daily. basis. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm too young to be having this problem. <laughs> so I remember I'm laying in bed one night. Look, we won't cookie up with our laughter. Hi, Cooks. Mama's telling her period poop stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm laying in bed one night before I go to sleep and my mom comes in to say good night. And I remember, <laughs> I remember I, all I said to her was, 
look behind the hamper. And I hid underneath the sheets. Stop. I pulled the bedspread above my head and I was like, look behind the hamper. <laughs> and I hid. And she's like, what? And I stayed hidden under my, my oh comforter. Oh my God. I said, look so- behind the hamper. She's like, what are you talking How about? How old were you? I, in middle school. Okay. I don't know exact age. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was sixth, seventh grade. Okay. And so she moves the hamper and I can, I'm hiding underneath the comforter. Mm. So I'm not watching, but I'm oh, just yeah. listening yeah, to paint what's this picture for yeah. me. So she, I hear her kind of rummaging back there and she's like, well, what, what is this? What's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> what is the meaning of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I kind of go blank at this point. I can't recall exactly like how I explained to her. I think I must have said, I, at this point, I totally zone out. I think I must have said to her, I think I'm pooping my pants every day. Like what's happening with me? What's wrong? And then I think, please help. Yeah, please. I've reached a, a breaking point. And I think at this point she is computing and realizing like, oh, and then Mm-hmm. You're starting your period and has a soul conversation. And I think I asked like, well, why is it brown? Why does it look like that? And so mm-hmm. to this day, she feels horrible. She's like, I must not have, did I not explain to you before, mm. you know, what a period mm. was? And I, and I don't re- really remember, but I don't, I don't think we must've had a very impactful conversation because right. I wasn't correlating. So anyways, long story short, I just think it's so beautiful that you're creating so people can get these boxes yep. before exactly. the daughter goes through this so that there's a healthier preparation, right? Yeah. And it's a great conversational piece as well. I've had single dads, aunts, grandmas. I've had women, you know, that are in their thirties, forties, whatever, buy them for themselves. Mm. There's a whole range of people who are really called to this, but it's really great for starting the conversation because it's presented as a gift. It comes that way. I'll yeah. wrap with tissue and special little things. It's and, beautiful. You know, little, little mala bracelet and bath salts, yeah. mm-hmm. candles. I'm really passionate about women run companies and we have as many B Corps as we can and, and natural products. Cause I really have gone down the rabbit hole with my own hormonal health and wanting to perpetuate chemical free choices for our bodies yeah 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 so much uh has come out you know in Mm -hmm. more recent years how toxic a lot of the brands are and companies are with pads tampons even I don't know if you know thinks underwear I'm wearing them right now actually and I and I hope are you I am so am I but are you going to tell me you just heard about what's in them well, thanks. According to what I read, they say that they had no knowledge or that that wasn't in them, but I know other places mm-hmm. have tested and they had like, yeah, chemical, like pretty serious chemicals. And then yeah. I used to partner when I lived in New York city, a yeah. lot of my shamanic events mm-hmm. were sponsored by things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've worn them for years and yeah, there's like this class action lawsuit that they settled. I heard about this and My best friend is actually coming over for a weekend sleepover. We do this like at least once a month. Mm. She lives in Houston and she's like, I just went down the period underwear rabbit hole. And we do this with various things. Like I just went down the cleaning product rabbit hole and we just educate each other. And she's like, she wants to sit on your lap. Come on up cookie. Come on up. She's uh, just done a bunch of research and found, I think they're called Madi Body. Mm, okay Which they're they come from australia and she lo- she loves them and she's like i can't wait to come and show you my new period underwear yeah yeah them, so. i'm just praying do you want to know what i did with the the newer pairs that i 
bought or that mm-hmm. I bought recently, I put them in the quantum, the Lilo block. You, wow. I just, I, so I put my period underwear in these biohacking quantum energy blocks you that we have. programmed your panties. House. Yeah. And I just <laughs> say, if there's something in there that's not mm. serving my highest greatest good, zap, flash it out of there. And then I wear them and I just like, I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, there's I can't. so much. I know it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot to manage. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm so glad you created these and people can go. Yep. To, they can go to Lunar wild.com also fun fact about me is i collect um like website domains it's a super nerdy thing guess what you can also go to moonceremony.com there you for your lunar wild box that was an og grab like i think i got that back in 2016 or yeah. something like that. I also collect domains. Do you? I have a What's whole your best slew. one? I mean, ceremonycircle.com is pretty gangster. That's pretty what are good. the chances of Ceremony Circle, the world's most ancient practice, mm. like the dot com for that being mm. available? Mm. I have that. I have a whole bunch. I have a, a, a phrase I coined many years ago, winning but lost. I have winningbutlost.com. Oh, cool. I just got some recently. What were those? Ah, what was it? Hang on. What was it? Because I... Ah, oh, there's a new potential show that I might start to film. Mm. And, and that one I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get the exact thing. I had to put the in front of it. So that right. was a bit of a bummer. Right. But anyways, well, yeah. I need to honor my husband because <laughs> we're in rotation for recording today. I'm recording up here in the ceremony loft with Hallie at 1.30, which is basically now he starts to record in his office. And then I go into my office in a half hour and speak <laughs> with the Dogon high priest. As one does. As one does on a Friday. Yes. So um, please let everyone, uh, first of all, thank you. Like, I mean, I know we could have talked for three more hours easily, uh, but we covered a lot of the stuff that I wanted to, and it felt so needed, rich, powerful. So thank you mm-hmm. very much. Pleasure. I had a wonderful time. Me too. And um, I know you we're both in this death rebirth <laughs> process, but if people want to try to work with you in some capacity, mm-hmm. how do they find you? Yeah, you can go to my websites, HallieRose.com. So that's H-A-L-L-I-E-R-O-S-E.com. Also, thoughtroompodcast.com. So my podcast, The Thought Room, Mm. is available on all streaming platforms and YouTube. No matter what I move on to, this is is going to remain one of the things that I'm the most proud of in my life. The content is evergreen. And I love hearing people to this day say like, oh, I listened to this episode from three years ago. It's great. You're a great interviewer. Mm, Thank you so much. And thank you for being on on my show. That That was such an honor. So... The thought room and then on Instagram I'm Hallie underscore Rosebud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best ways to find me. Perfect. What a glorious time. What a time. What a what a day. What a conversation. <laughs> what a journey. What a life. What a all the all the things. What a world. What all what all the other unseen worlds. <laughs> all the trees. All the things. Mm-hmm. All the guitars and drums, all the incense, <laughs> the silly little gooey-faced dogs. Yeah. Uh, cheers and blessings to all that and to all you Soul Fam for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will sit together again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>
It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.